have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, is revealed, then also you will be revealed with him in glory. Verse 5, therefore consider the members of your body as dead to immorality, impurity, passions, evil desire, greed, which most accounts into idolatry. For it is because of these things the wrath of God will come upon the sons of disobedience. And in them you also walked when you were living in them. Verse 8. But now you also put, on, put, put them all aside. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, abusive speech from your mouth. Do not lie to, do not lie to one another since you've laid aside the old self with its evil practices. And put on the new self, who is being renewed to a true knowledge according to the image of the one who created him. A renewal in which there is no distinction between Greek or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, slave or free, but Christ is in all and is all. So those who have been chosen of God, holy and beloved, put on a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience, verse 13, bearing with one another and forgiving each other. Whosoever has a complaint against each other, just as the Lord forgave you, you also should forgive. Beyond all these things, put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you are called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ richly dwell within you with all wisdom teaching, admonishing one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with thanksgiving and fullness of your hearts, giving thanks through him. Whatsoever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. Let us pray. Heavenly Father God, we have these scriptures in front of us to learn today. Father, you've anointed these words, Father, to live within our side of our hearts. Father, we just ask you, Father, just to open up your hearts to us today. Allow us to feel your presence here in this church house. Allow us to see our need to follow you closer. And then, Father, if there's someone here today in the sound of my voice that does not know Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior, Father, I just pray that they will move inside, that your Holy Spirit will convict them of their sins, and today will be their day of salvation. For, Father, for that Christian who's not living that Christian life. I urge you, Father, to show them their need to follow and obey you. Father, I just thank you so much that you forgive all of our sins, not just some of them. Father, just be with us right now as we go through this worship hour. Lead, guide, and direct us. We'll be careful to give you the praise and glory in all things. In Jesus' precious name, I pray and I give thanks and amen. Folks, these are words that Paul wrote to the Corinthians as he was trying to teach them how to live a spirit-filled life. Let me go ahead and share with Paul what Paul says. Paul turns from expounding on the fullness of Christ, sufficient answers to the doctrine, by describing the fullness of the Christian life, sufficient antidote to their alluring promises. And first, he emphasizes the full, that the full life is focused entirely upon the full Christ. Having died with Christ, we've been buried with him. And now we've been raised with Christ, we are hid in Christ, and we will appear with him again. And Christ, in fact, is our lives. 
The brief full paragraph mingles statements, exhortations, and promises of three encouragements to live up to the Christian life. Let's look at the first one. Life's focus aim should be upon Christ. Let's look at verse 1 again. It says, therefore, if you've been raised up with Christ, keep seeking the things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Colossians chapter 20 says, if you have died in Christ to the elementary principles of the world, why is it that you're living in the world? Also in Colossians chapter 2, verse 12 through 13 says, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you also have been raised up with him through faith and the working of God, you raised him from the dead. When you were dead in your trespasses and sins and with the uncircumcision of your flesh, he made you alive together with him, having forgiven us all of our transgressions. To seek the things above, Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Look into Colossians chapter 1, verse 18, and it says, He is also the head of the body, the church, and he is the beginning of the firstborn from the dead, so that he himself will come to the first place in everything. Paul continues to say, Seek ye first the things that are above, but be consistent with our own conviction that Christ has raised far above all earthly things. This is the strongest of all appeals, to be spiritually minded, to ornate all life's goals by the ascended Christ to the focus of one's drives upon all belongings in God's hand. Prohibitions, visions, negotiations never succeed. For things above, as it says, does not mean heavenly precepts, but the blessings of heaven, but the whole higher realm, including the enthroned Christ and all things ultimately, essentially, and trans- transcendent. Uh, Matthew chapter 6, verse 19 says... Do not store up treasures in earth where moth and rust can destroy, where thieves can break in and steal. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all things will be added unto you. Matthew chapter 7, verse 7 says, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened only through Christ. Psalm 110, verse 11 says, The Lord says to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I make my enemies a footstool unto my feet. Psalm 110.11 says it is a consistent proof. It is cited here not to be, it is not to be inundated that the place of power which is from Christ can supply grace, but is evidence of Christ's supremacy over all powers. Colossians chapter 2 verse 10 says, and in him you have become made complete, and he is the head over all and rule and authority. Seated express rest after conflict. The right hand of God declares that the result authority of power. Ephesians chapter 4 verses 10 says, He has descended in himself also he who ascended far above all the heavens so that he might fill all things. Philippians chapter 2 verse 9 says, For this reason also God highly exalted him and bestowed upon him the name which above every name, the name of Jesus. But those who have risen with Christ too must realize their ascension and Ephesians chapter 2, verse 6, it says, And raised up with him and seated with him in the heavenly places is Christ Jesus. The death, burial, and resurrection with Christ, which is the ground of salvation, and which in baptism comes the spiritual experience, is all the pattern of Christian ambition. The ascension of Christ was happened as a definite moment. There's two assertions, facts that carry on to verse 2 between them. The word is seek. 
Let's look into verse 2 again. It says, set your mind on the things above, but not on the things that are on earth. The second encouragement is to focus on the mind of Christ, including affections, your will, and your disposition. The importance, Paul said, of these fills is Christians' mind may be gathered from Romans chapter 5, verse 8. It says, For those who according to the flesh set their minds on the flesh, but those according to the Spirit set their minds on the Spirit. 1 Corinthians chapter 13 says, When I was a child, I used to speak like a child, think like a child, reason like a child, and when I became a man, I did away with childish things. Philippians chapter 3, verse 19 says, Whose end is destruction, whose God is their appetite, and those glory is in their shame, but who set their minds on earthly things. Here he urges that the seeking of things above will sustain only by mind nourished with upon things above, where Christ is our treasure. There shall our hearts also be. For you have died in baptism to the things on earth, to the elementary principles, and to the spirits of the earth, to the flesh. It is a reference to the earthly things. Generally, it is not for any evil inherent in them, but because of the treasure it presents to the presence of life and the shameful and impoverishment. Moreover, our life must be hid in Christ, in God. Hid may continue to be a symbol of baptism. Whereas pagans spoke of death by hiding in the earth, Christian realms instead to be hidden in Christ, but realize that in the new life, which bears to be hidden, many commentaries, many commentaries, commentators speak of the Christian life are hidden for security beyond the reach of harm, but because of them, the warnings of the apostles and the promised manifestation safety is in the life. Lies in to be concealment, but holding fast to the head. Beside Christ is hidden in God for safety, and though the Christian hides hidden resources is in persuasion, having died to the world, we draw our inspiration from heavenly places and obey the heavenly throne. Thus, the, the Christian life is beyond the world's understanding. John chapter 14, verse 17 says, For in the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it does not know him and does not understand him, but because he... Because he abides with you, he is all and in all. But we should not miss the intention contrast with the claim of the hidden mystery, the inner life beyond the understanding of the common believer. Paul says that the risen life becomes already invisible, eternal realm in which Christ belongs. We have previously insisted on the hidden mystery now revealed to Christians on the hidden riches awaiting to be discovered in Christ. Here is the same sense urges us the deepest resources of Christian life itself is likewise hidden with Christ our God. Having died to earthly things and enjoying a life which inner resources spring among heavenly things, we should find it no effort to fix our whole mind and disposition where hope should be on Christ. Let's look at verse 1 through 4 again. It says, therefore, if you have been raised up with Christ, keep, think, keep seeking the things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on the things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden in Christ in God. Where Christ is, there is your life is revealed. 
then also you will be revealed with him in glory. The key with everything we're trying to speak about today is where Christ is carried us away in the three assertions. Christ will appear and be openly made known to us. Paul turns from being the past to the future, from the experience known to the experience anticipated. It is all once focused upon Christ. Our future is bright with his appearing. In Christ is our life, not simply eternal life, but the giver of life. But our essential of life to be is the life is to gain. Life, the like of disciples at the ascension, faith stands gazing into the heavens, feeling that the best part of its true life is gone with him. However, this is the assertion of the truth everywhere in the New Testament where the Christian life is life utterly concentrated upon Christ, dying, risen, alive, glorified, and coming again. Amen? Now, gain, we will always gain with the appearance of his glory. And surely in our life is hidden with Christ. He is hidden with us. So we may be manifest with him and he be manifest in us. The Christ-filled life, then, is a life filled with Christ. Its aim, its mind, and its hope is taken up with Christ in all things on earth. That is what Paul means by holding fast to the head of Christ. Like Christ, the Christian has died, yet remains vigorously alive. He is dead beyond one level, but one set of relationships, but has deliberately set the act of identification with Christ who died, and to for sin he is made alive on another level in order that the relationship is deliberate appropriations of Christ who is deliberately appropriated with us for his life. Let's then look into the three problems with living a spirit-filled life. Now, wait a minute. Three problems? Living a spirit-filled life? That doesn't make sense. Okay, first of all, living the spirit-filled life, you will become confused. Wait a minute. Confused? What do you mean? See, when you start trying to live a spirit-filled life, you try to do it. So what do you try? Because the first thing that you had before was all flesh. So what do you try to do? You begin reading your Bible. You start coming to church. You go to Sunday school. You start doing things that you think you should do as a Christian. Man, you're, you're, every time the doors open up, you're here. You're trying to do everything you can to make Christ love you and appreciate you. And then somehow it doesn't work. Uh-oh, that doesn't make sense. Then number two, you become very discouraged because, wait a minute, this Christ life that the preacher's been talking about, it's not working. Nothing has changed in my life. In fact, things are starting to get worse and worse. What's it say in verse 5? It says, Therefore, consider the members of your body. Your earthly body is dead to immorality, impurity, passions, evil desire, greed, which amongst will amount to idolatry. Verse 6, for this, for this it is because of these things that the wrath of God will become upon the sons of disobedience. You see, when we try to become a Christian and we begin try to become that spirit-filled life, we'll do every single thing that Christ wants us to do but one thing. 
If there's one thing you get out of this message today, remember this. The spirit-filled life is a life that is committed. It is one that is completely, completely committed to Christ. The reason you cannot live the spirit-filled life is because you're still packing around that one sin. I don't know what it is for you, but you want to give, you want to give Christ everything but that one sin. It might be lust. It might be gossip. It might be drinking. It might be smoking. It might be relationships. It might be idolatry. It might be, I don't know what it is. But when you try to live the spirit-filled life, God then begins to open up your life and he wants to cleanse you. Total obedience set. And that 100% is total, total obedience. You see, you can't live that spirit-filled life today unless you live it with total repentance. Our problem is, is we want to be saved. Our problem is we want to go to heaven. Our problem is we want to fit in with the Christians. Our problem is we want to do everything God, we think God wants us to do. But we never really totally repented of every single sin that we had. We want to carry around that one last sin. Folks, that's why you can't live the spirit-filled life. You see, most people say, well, you know, that's only for preachers. That's only for deacons. You know, you guys talk about the by and by and the high and high and doing all those things. No, it is all about total repentance and total submission to a holy God. What happens then? Let's look at our verses again, verse 5, 6, and 7. What happens when you don't repent? Therefore, consider the members of your earthly bodies as dead to immorality, impurity, passions, evil desire, and greed, which amounts to idolatry. For it is because of these things that the wrath of God will come upon the sons or daughters of disobedience. And in them you also, you once walked, but you were living in them. Now you also put them all aside, anger, wrath, malice, slander, and abusive speech from your mouth. So folks, right there shows you what a Christian living in not total repentance is, not total obedience. So what's God going to do to you when you don't live in total obedience? It says, for these things that the wrath of God will come upon the sons of disobedience. Your life will start changing, folks, and it won't get better. God wants you to become all of his, not part of his. Your life will start falling apart. Things won't be working. Maybe you'll lose a job. Maybe you'll wind up losing a family member or you're losing a relationship. Maybe you won't be getting the blessings that you think you should because you're in total disobedience of the one thing God wants you to do, total surrender. When Christ hung on the cross, surrendered to our heavenly father, and he did that on our behalf. If he did not do that, we would not be able to go to heaven these days. Let's remember, Christ was our example. So as we face God, 
we have to have that Christ-like mindset, that Christ-like seeing, that Christ-like feeling, and that is one of total, complete surrender. Before you can come and know that true, spirit-filled life, you have to completely be surrendered as Christ did. And as you do become that totally confused or that totally committed Christian, then you put on the character of Christ. Let's look in verses 12 through 17. So as you have been called a chosen of God, holy and beloved, put on the heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience, bearing with one another, forgiving one another, whosoever is complained against one another, as the Lord forgave you, you also should forgive them beyond all things and put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts to which you indeed are called in one body and be thankful. Let the word of Christ richly dwell within you with all wisdom, teaching, admonishment, one another with songs and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and thankfulness and your heart to God. Whatsoever you do in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to the Father of God and live. Serving God with a spirit of thanksgiving is one as you putting on the character of Christ. Let me share you a little example. I met a, a lady down in Portsmouth. She goes to Temple Baptist Church. We were talking, and she says, well, you know what? I got saved in vacation Bible school when I was in third grade. If we ever stop vacation Bible school here, I'm coming after all of you. Okay? As I tell you what, you do not believe the impact you make on young people. You do not believe the lasting things that you do for folks during vacation Bible school. And we were talking a little bit, and she says, well, you know, I, I got saved, and I didn't want to get baptized in the, in the church I got saved. I don't want to get baptized in my own church. I said, okay, and we talked a little bit more. And she says, oh, by the way, I work a full-time job. She also runs the nursery at her church, the preschool at her church. She does all the decorating in her church. She does all the special events in her church. And then in her full-time job, she also volunteers. She also sews for people that can't sew for themselves. She cleans elderly people's houses. She then paints and decorates for them. In Holy and Devoted, this person is holy and devoted. The thing is, is that church at Temple Baptist Church is growing through their preschool. I spoke to her and she said, you know what? Um, Sunday before last, two people came forward. Two little kids from preschool got saved. And when I was there last week, two other ones got baptized. Folks, she doesn't carry around a Bible like I do and tell people about Jesus and open up to John 3.16 and share the gospel for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him shall not perish. But her lifestyle and her life is a witness and things are changing and lives are getting changed. Folks, that is what the character of Christ is. If people see Jesus in you, you have the character of Christ. You are living in a thanksgiving. You are doing exactly what Christ has asked you to do. Folks, as you can see, the evidence of what happens is people's getting saved around you. If you're not, then let's take a look at the sons of disobedience. It says, now that you put on them aside, you, you should put aside anger, wrath, malice, slander, abusive speech from your mouth. 
Folks, either you're living the Christian life that is spirit-filled or you're not. You're living in the flesh. If you're a Christian here today, you, you either one or the other. You can't be both. There's not a fence post that you can walk on. Does people see Jesus in you or does people don't see Jesus in you and they don't want to come to church anymore? Where are you at today, Christian? What's the word say? Therefore, if you've been raised up with Christ, keep seeking the things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on the things above, not on the things on earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with God in Christ. When Christ, who is your life, is revealed, then also you'll be revealed with him in glory. Is Christ your life? Are you living for Jesus today and other people know that? Are you? Have you led someone to the Lord lately? Or has your witness led someone to the Lord lately? Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, God, we thank you so much for all the many blessings that you've given us. Father, we thank you so much for this church and this lighthouse that you've given us that others can come know Christ for coming into this building this morning. Father, I've preached the message that you've laid on my heart today. Now, Father, we ask you to take charge of this service. Father, we're going to give a hymn of invitation for those Christians, Lord, that would like to get their life right with you and begin living that complete spirit-filled life that people can see Christ with them. Or, Father, for that one Christian that's here today who has not laid aside that one sin, that one sin that's keeping them from having that spirit-filled life. Show them the need to let that sin go. Show them the need for, Father, to just let it go so others can see Christ through them. Help us, Father, during this invitation time for us to be honest and totally in front of you. Help us, Lord Jesus. If there's someone in this auditorium in the sound of my voice right now, Lord, and they don't know Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior, Father, we just ask you in a mighty way to stir within their hearts. Allow by faith that them accept you today and walk with you for eternity into heaven. Help us, Father, to make our decisions. Help us, Father, allow us to follow you clearly and closely. In Jesus' precious name, and I pray, and I give thanks, and amen. I'm going to ask Phil if you want to come forward and lead us in a hymn of invitation. I'm going to be down front. If anyone here wants to go ahead and, and accept Jesus Christ today as our Lord and Savior, please come see me. If you're here today and you want to ex- just don't come forward and have a word of prayer, I'll pray with you. If you want to come forward today and just get your life right with Christ, come forward. Let Christ lead you as we go through this hymn of invitation. As we sing, like what Brian said, if you don't know Jesus, why would you leave without knowing who he is and letting him know you? But if you're standing here today and you're harboring anything, don't walk out of here without knowing that you're right with God, that you're walking in the Spirit. So as we sing, close your eyes for a moment and just ponder. Just think about what God is telling you, what he's speaking to your hearts today, and then we can sing together. Are you hurting, broken 
everyone for being here today. Thank you for coming out on a Thanksgiving Day weekend. I hope you all have safe travels on your way home. I know lives have been changed here today, and I know God has given you all the praise and glory. Lift up your hands to our Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you so much. Just remember to come back to church next Sunday. Our pastor will be back. He'll be, he'll be full of all goodness and give us all the praise. That, oh, and he's on vacation. Folks, thank you so much. Have a great week. Glad to see all of you here today.
might want to sing in note for note. Don't worry. Don't worry. Be happy. Don't worry. Be happy now. Oh.